Amen. Please be seated. Thank you so much, worship team and Chong, especially for leading today. And uh, it's for those of you who are guests today, notice our regular worship leader, Hunter, is out on a, a, a mission trip today with one of our uh, church plants that we support. So Hunter, I know you're going to watch this later, so I want you to know that we miss you, but we don't need you, so just kind of keep that in mind, all right? We can get along without you, all right? So, but we still miss you, we want you to make it back safely, okay? So uh, um, we do want you here. So thank you so much, guys, for, again, Charlie, Donna, thank you for that testimony. That is, Donna is amazing. I, so uh, I have privilege, I think it's a real privilege of serving a staff with Hunter uh, and with Donna. They are both just uh, jewels that... Um, that really helped make this church everything this church needs to be. So, uh, so give it up for your staff, for Donna and Hunter. Uh, just thanking God for who they are and what God's doing in their lives. So appreciate it very, very much. And um, I know I feel like uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the guys who are up here leading today because I'm not just like the only guy on stage now. So thank you, Micah and, and Mark and, uh, and uh, Alec and uh, Anton. I had, boy, I was like, do I remember everybody at this point? All right, guys, uh, again, if you're a guest here, I'm the interim pastor. I'm Daryl Watts, and um, you have picked an interesting day to be here today because uh, only once or twice a year do I preach on giving, and so you're going to say, oh my gosh, this is giving to, but what's happened here is we're in the process of finding a new, a new pastor, and I've come to the conclusion that this church, I think, either likes me too much or has at least gotten too comfortable with me because last week I preached on sharing your faith with your neighbors and nobody complained about it, so I thought, all right, preach on giving today. And if those two sermons don't convince you to find a new pastor, then I don't know what to do, all right? So, um, but uh, you guys are talking about giving. It's not, I, I want to frame today, though, not really talking about money or about tithing. And both those things are important. We might mention those. But really, I want to talk, I want to frame it in the idea of generosity. That's really what God calls us to be, is to be generous. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that. But I'm preaching on it today for two reasons. First, when I was a pastoral coach, I, I told pastors every, that they ought to preach on giving at least once or twice a year. So, so now I'm going to practice what I've preached, okay, and preach giving like I've told pastors to do. But because I also believe in this, and, uh, and I do tithe out of my income and try to be generous in other ways at the same time, I'm also preaching what I practice, okay? So uh, I think this is what Jesus has called us to be today. Now, I do say, I want to preface it again by saying, too, that I think money is probably our least important resource, our very least important resource. Um, in fact, it, it, it's not nearly as important as the prayers that you people offer and that we offer each other, our fellowship together, our love for each other, the hard work of our members, our spiritual gifting, all of those are much more important resources. However, money is the only resource that PG&E and our landlord will accept, okay? So they, um, and, and if you're enjoying the air conditioning today, we need to do that. So, that's, so that brings to the second reason I'm, I'm, I'm preaching on this is, as is typical in the summertime, our giving is a little bit down. We are not in trouble as a church. It's not like, I'm not going to be like those, you know, TV preachers saying like, if you don't send it now, we're going to close down this radio station or whatever it might be. That you're, so I'm not doing that to you. I'm just encouraged that's something we need to keep in mind during the summer, and especially as we get gearing back up into the fall, all right? So let's talk about being generous lives. We're going to be looking at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at the whole chapter. So uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for giving us generous lives and for modeling out generosity for us. 
And Father, thank you that we can also trust you to care for us. We can entrust our finances to you. And Father, we do not come before you today with any idea that, you've, that you will make us rich or that you will necessarily keep us in poverty. But Father, we just come before you today recognizing that everything we have comes for you, comes from you, and we want to use what we can and what you ask of us to serve you and to build your kingdom and to bring others into a saving knowledge of your son Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right, today, as we look at this, Paul, let me set the stage for you before we get into the, to this passage itself out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's what's going on. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. This is a church in, uh, in what is now Greece. Remember, we've looked at, just as we we're going through Acts, we looked at how the gospel has jumped from Asia over to Europe. And this is one of the churches that was founded in Europe. When we left Paul, he was up in Philippi. And so he's writing from that area of Macedonia where Philippi and Thessalonica are. He's writing from up in that area. And if you read this passage, he'll talk about the Macedonian people some because he's up there with them. And here's what he's basically saying. I'm coming down to visit you guys. And I told them, I, I'm taking up a collection. And we believe, historians believe this collection was for the church in Jerusalem. Church in Jerusalem had just got, there'd been a, a famine in that area, and we know there's a lot of persecution for the mother church, and so Paul, out of his love for the mother church in Jerusalem, was taking up an offering, and apparently Paul had done something that sometimes preachers do, I'm not going to do that to you, but, but he was playing one church against the other a little bit. He had told the Macedonians that the people in Corinth were going to be ready, and so he said, all right, they're going to be ready, and he said, so I'm going to write to remind you when I come down, we're going to take up this offering, so please be ready. Don't, don't embarrass me, all right? It wasn't, wasn't quite that blatant, but that's sort of what he's doing there. So let's look at that. As we get into this passage, I want to see the first thing we see from Paul saying to this church is, be generous because other people are being generous. I think that is important now, but he says, you should be generous because other people are generous. Now, so let's look at what this passage says. He writes chapter 1, uh, verse 1, I'm sorry, of chapter 9. Now concerning the ministry to the saints, it is unnecessary for me to write to you for, you, for I know your eagerness and boast about you to the Macedonians, where he was. Achaia, that's the area, that's the province area of where Corinth was, has been, so he said, I've said to them, there's quotes there, Achaia has been ready since last year. In other words, I've said, you guys are ready, all right? And your zeal has stirred up most of them. So their encouragement said, I said, you're ready, so they encourage them to give. But I am sending the brothers with this letter and uh, so that our boasting about you in this matter would not prove empty, so that you'd be ready, just as I said. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, would be put to shame in that situation. Therefore, I considered it necessary to urge the brothers to go ahead of you, to you, and to arrange in advance the generous gift you promised, so that it will be ready as a gift and not as an extortion. I love the way that translation that's the New Christian Standard Bible, translates as an extortion. That sounds so, so bold, but basically saying that you're giving out of desire, not out of being forced to. Now, I have to admit, as I look at reasons, okay, this is a sort of weird reason. I'm a little bit comfortable even talking about it, but it's in the Bible here. So I want to be admit with that. So Paul's taking out this collection, and he's really saying, all right, I'm, I, I want you to be ready, okay? I've used your zeal to stir up the Macedonians. I've used up, uh, I've, and, and I'm, telling you now that that you need to be ready because they're all excited about it now again this doesn't sound like a great reason for giving but let's be honest we we do that a lot 
Did any of you, like me as a kid, go to vacation Bible school? At my church, when I went to vacation Bible school, they used to take up an offering every week. It was usually for missions. And they would do this, one of the things, it was, whoever came up with this idea a century ago or whatever, was probably one of the smartest things I've ever seen in ministry. They pitted the guys against the girls. And they put two large jars up there, and all the guys' offering went into one jar. And it was always coins, because none of us had dollar bills back then. And so you could see it grow between that, and that encouraged them to do so much. Now, was it right for them to do that? I don't know, okay? But, but it's that same kind of thing. It would be like me, you know, trying to talk about, well, Pathway Church or this church over there did this kind of thing. Why don't you guys do that thing? I'm not going to do that to you, but why did Paul do it? Well, I think it's just sort of a natural kind of thing. It, it builds into our natural sort of stuff. And let's be honest, we do it not even with, with just with tithes and offerings. We do it with other things. For example, um, all right, we don't have very many kids in here, but I want to remind you, to starting day, it's only 120 days till Christmas. All right, so I know I tell kids that they're excited about it. It's like parents are like, oh, really? Come on. And, but one of the most dreaded things in my family, I say dreaded, I, it's a task, it's just tedious task is the annual Christmas card thing. And we're always sitting there going, who do we send Christmas cards to? We go through the list, of like, okay, well, they haven't sent us a card in like two years, so we can take them on the list. Oh, so-and-so sent us a card, and we didn't send them one, and you're doing that, all kinds of things. Or don't you do it when somebody's birthday's coming up, and you're thinking, okay, how much do they spend on that gift for me, all right? I want to spend about the same. Don't we make it sort of transactional sometimes? It's human nature. And so that's what Paul's doing there. But as I think about it, you know, it, it, it's a little bit weird, that, that idea. In fact, sometimes preachers have abused it. Uh, anybody know the name Creflo Dollar? I don't like to talk about people in general, but, you know, Creflo Dollar's been known for this, telling his congregation the Lord wanted him to have his private jet, and they needed to give money to have his private jet. But I don't like talking about people today, but back in my day, there was a guy named Reverend Ike. Has anybody heard of Reverend Ike before? Oh, if you guys don't know Reverend Ike, that was a trippy thing. That's from when I was in high school. And Reverend Ike would be the person to get up there and go and telling people, uh, it's, not, it's not love of money that's root of all evil, it's the lack of money that's the root of all evil. And he had this phrase like, you can't lose with the stuff I use. And about how God was going to, and about how God had gotten him a Mercedes and God had gotten him all this other stuff. And they would just say weird things like that all the time. And, and Reverend Ike would sell prayer handkerchiefs that he had blessed and he was selling for $5, you know, that was before the days of the internet, when it was a really big deal to order something like that. And he got people saying things like that all the time. One of his other phrases that Reverend Ike used was when they were taking up the offering. Now, we do it, most of our giving's online now, you can put money in the back there. But back in the day, they used to pass the plate. And he would say, I don't want to hear change in the offering plate, because change makes me nervous. Put in folding money. How could you, I don't even know how guys could do that kind of thing. And even recently, I heard of a church that's an evangelical church like ours that promised their congregation that if they tithe for three months and God does not hold true to his promise of blessings, we'll, we'll, we will re refund 100% of your tithe, no questions asked. Well, here's part of the problem with that. If God blesses us by how much we give, why is it that Jesus, who gave more than anyone else has ever given, Never had a house, never had his own donkey, not even a used donkey with balding hooves, you know, and stuff like that, you know, and a, and a bad transmission to it. He didn't even have that. Didn't even have an extra change of clothes. 
But he said many times, no place to lay my head, no place he called his own. If God blesses you by how much you give, then Jesus should have been the richest person on earth. I don't think God does that with us. I don't think that's really, I'm not saying Paul was wrong in this, but I just say as we look at that for a reason for giving, it might be important, but as far as your motivation of giving, I'm a little bit nervous about that. So I think it's okay to do some things because other people do. And if that's part of your motivation to give at church, I guess that's okay. But it really is sort of a poor reason for giving. In fact, I think I've changed my mind. Like I say, it's not a really good reason for giving. Because Matthew warned us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, he says, So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So I'm going to say, even though it's okay to have a friendly competition, it's okay to think about what other people are doing, it's okay to let that influence you some, that's really not a good reason for giving. So maybe, so let's go a little bit further in this passage and see if we see something else. So let's keep going down. As I look at verses 6 to 9, I see that, being, be, that we should be generous because God will bless us. I think that's in this passage also. So let's continue in verse 6. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion. For God, for God loves, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. All right. Um, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you a little bit there. We've already talked about some of that. In fact, um, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm really, I'm, I'm really, I'm going to tell you something embarrassing right now. Because we've got the new air conditioning fixed in the middle here, it blew my notes over, so my illustrations I just gave you for the second point already. So we're going to get out early, because I just skipped all my illustrations for the first point. All right, and um, again, guests, this happens all the time with me, all right? Remember, I'm the interim, okay? So it just, all right, but it blew my, I have, I have my notes all here in the thing, and it blew it over, so I'm like, those don't sound like the right illustration for them. I kept going, okay? So we're going to get a little, bit, a little bit quicker then, so I'm going to skip all the illustrations from the first point. And we'll just go, you've heard the illustration for the second point now. So let me just say this. Following Jesus is not what they call in, 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 in lawyer terms quid pro quo. I looked that up, okay? It's Latin. It means something for something. It never says that God will, will do what, will, will, will give us stuff because we've given to him. God says he will bless us. But he doesn't ever say it's necessarily going to be monetary blessings. Now, there are hints of that in the Bible, but they have to be specific to that time. Micah talks about bring the tithes in the, whore, in the storehouse and God will open up the windows of heaven and, and bring down blessings. But he never says everybody in your family is going to be healthy, everything's going to go well, your children are going to be rich and everything like that. There are indications that says if you love God, your descendants will be mighty on earth. But we know that that doesn't always happen. God, God's ways of dealing with us are much deeper than we could ever put into human understanding. So when the Bible gives us those things about God's blessings, he's basically saying, 
this is what God's will is, and God's going to take care of you. And that's the best way they could explain it. But there's no promise that God's going to, that God's going to bless you monetarily with everything that you've given to him. He's going to use it for his glory, not necessarily for your glory. In fact, I love this idea that says God loves a cheerful giver. Have you ever heard anybody talk the phrase, give until it hurts? Have you ever heard anybody say that? All right, and the Bible does talk about, the New Testament does talk about sacrificial giving, that it should cost you something. One of the greatest examples of this is in the Old Testament, there's a story of, of there being a plague that David, that God sent upon Israel to punish David. And it, when, when God ends the plague after three days, he's at the place where they would eventually build the temple, and David sees it there, and the guy owns this land, and David wants to worship God, and he sees this guy threshing his uh, grain at the threshing floor, and David says, let me buy your ox to make a sacrifice to God, and let me buy your threshing sled, because I'm going to break that up and use it to, to build the altar. And the guy who owned it said, oh no, if it's for God, let me just give it to you. And David said this, no, I'm going to buy it, because I will not give to God what costs me nothing. So that idea of sacrificial giving was even there at that point. But sometimes sacrificial giving is a little frustrating. We're a little scared of that. So Paul phrased it this way. Don't give until it hurts. Give until it tickles. Can you do that? Can you give until you can laugh about it and be, and be happy about it? In fact, most pastors say, I would rather have a blessed dime that you gave cheerfully than, than, a, than a dollar given grudgingly. That's it. It's about what God's doing in your life and who you are. That's where the cheerfulness comes from. And so don't give because God will just bless you. So I'm going to take that one too. Don't be, all right, we've already got that up there. Thank you guys. I think that's a bad reason also. Even though Paul talks about it, I just don't think it's the, the most sufficient reason for giving. So let's go a little bit further in this passage. Trust me, guys, we're going to get to it here in just a moment, all right? So as we go in verse 10, I see be generous because when we give, God will get glory. Now, doesn't that sound a little bit better to you guys? God is glorified through our giving. So let's look at what Paul says about that. He says, now the one who provides seed to the sower, that's God, and bread for food, will also provide and multiply your seed and increase your harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have a deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. And Paul writes here about this harvest of righteousness. I love that phrase. He writes about it in verse 10. And in verses 11, he says, our giving results in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12 says, others will thank God because of our giving. And in verse 13, he says that others will glorify God because of their giving. And to me, that's the best reason yet. When we give to our church, it's not for the building up of Fresno Church. It's not for our glory. It is for God's glory. It's doing things that are going to actually lift him up, show our love for him, and also help us make his name known all around Fresno. Well, and around the world, as they say, as his hunters with our church plant in Oakland. 
So guys, I want to I tell you this, that when people see the proof of your love for God and your faith in Him, they will be moved to follow God, and God will use our gifts to bring glory for Himself. And I want to make you this promise. When you give to Fresno Church, we do our best to make sure that every penny relates to our mission of making disciples and our purpose of glorifying God. Remember that. We have a mission. Our mission is to make disciples, and our purpose is to glorify God. And we, we're going to use every dime in that way. Now, yes, we spend money on things like electricity and, and, and air conditioning. Yes, and we do get some benefit out of that. I will admit that. That does happen. We get some benefit. It makes you more comfortable up here. Uh, some of you are more comfortable. Some of you, uh, churches, some of you are too warm right now and some of you are too cold. All right, I know that's the way it is, so we do our best to kind of find the, find the middle there. But it also makes it comfort, it's comfortable so we can listen to God's voice, to his word, so there's less distractions here. Electricity makes it possible for you to see and for you to hear. It makes it possible for us to live stream to our, to our, to our friends at Paintbrush. And by the way, welcome, guys. We're glad to have you join us here today, too. So if it weren't for our electricity and paying those bills, we could not be broadcasting our service to the, paint, to, to, the, to, the, to the fine people at Paintbrush right now. So when you're giving, you're helping us do those things. And you're helping everybody else participate in worship. It makes it more likely that guests will attend. It's so that we can keep our Facebook page going. It's so that we can keep our, our, our website going. It makes it more likely that guests will attend and hear the message of salvation. And I want you to know we're constantly reevaluating how we spend money. Just recently, we changed our insurance carrier because it not only saved us some money, but it helped us take better care of Donna and Hunter, our staff. To help to, to get workman's compensation, which also required by law, but also because we want to take care of them, okay? That's the real reason. You know, it's, again, we do it because we have to, but that's not the, re the reason we're doing it. We're doing it to take care of our staff. And if, if services or resources that we have are no, long, no longer help the church and help us be the church God wants us to be, we drop them, okay? Right now, we've got, we, we have a postage machine that, we've, that Donna's already told them, we're not paying on this anymore. We're canceling our, you know, canceling our contract when our, when our period's up and come pick it up because we don't use the postage machine now. Because we figured out it's 2023. Most of you have email, don't you? So we send out our newsletters mainly through that. So it was important to us at one point. It's not important now. And in full disclosure, I want to tell you something that we have done. You know, we give about 10%, a little bit over 10% of what comes into our church goes to our missions partners like the Fresno, Rescue, the Fresno Mission, uh, the, the, the uh, Pregnancy Care Center, uh, Rescue the Children, to the church plant where her is, to our missionaries who are in various places all over the world. But we've got a, a mission here that, that uh, we, we weren't actually giving money to. We were providing other things, Christ Helping Hands. You're going to hear about that when we have the announcements at the end, right, Jackie? That's the announcement. We have an, a, a, meeting, a, 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 a ministry this afternoon. It's actually a ministry of Cindy Piamonos here that, that Cindy actually runs and, and handles all of that. And we've been, many of you have been generous with your time, with your, with your work on this, with your, with your efforts and your skills to help with that. But the church had not been supplying any money out of the church budget to it. And so we've just worked out with Cindy that, uh, that you're, now it's not much. And Cindy, I'm sorry it's so little that it is, okay? But we're doing, I've been reevaluating, but we've we decided, you know what? The church needs to be supporting that. We've, we've treated that like it's one of our ministries. We've sort of not taken credit for it, but gotten some of the 
gotten some of the bounce off of it, and, uh, and we said, you know what, we need to start reevaluating that and see where God's going. So our church and our church leadership, our board and our staff are always looking for ways that we can use God's money better. And so I make that promise. If when you give to our church, we're not wasting this money. We're not using it for any other reason other than to make disciples and to glorify God. Yes, we've got to do a lot of other things around there, but, but um, to, to make that happen. And some things aren't direct ministry, but everything supports ministry. And so I just want you to recognize that. And so this is the best reason for giving so far. But there's still, this is still not the ultimate reason for giving. We're going to look at that. It's in the very last verse. The very last verse tells us, be generous because God was generous when he gave us Jesus. That very last verse says this, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The ultimate reason to give is that God gave us Jesus. And Paul calls him the gift that is so great it cannot be described in the human language. That's just wild. Can you imagine something so great that we've not yet invented a word in any human language that could describe how great this gift is that Jesus gave to us? That is the most amazing thing right here. Now, there's a lot of ways God, there's, you know, people ask, why did God send Jesus when he did, where he did, how he did? Why was that the way he chose our salvation? Well, I can't pretend to know all of God's mind, but I know this. First, God took that aspect of who he is, known as God the Son, Jesus, been in existence since before the foundation of the world, for all eternity, and wrapped himself in the form of Jesus in human flesh so that we could get a clear picture of who God is. He came to be, to be a part of us, to walk among us. One of the best examples of this, and I'm going to mess it up, but does anybody, all right, people my age, remember Paul Harvey? Okay, Paul Harvey used to tell this story, and I'm going to mess it up, but it's Paul Harvey's story, and I'm going to shorten it. But it's about a man who did not, his wife went to church regularly, but he never went to church, didn't have any interest in it at all. And, um, and one day when his wife was at church, and it was Christmas time, and he was home alone, and he kept hearing this banging on the, on the window. And he went to see it. It was cold. It was up in the northeast. It was cold. And, he walked, and there were birds that kept flying into his picture window. He kept hitting the, the, trying to get out of the cold. He kept hitting the picture window and falling in the snow, and they would be dazed. Then they would get up and try to fly again. And they were slowly freezing to death. And the man had compassion on him and said, so he, he, his, next door to his house was his barn. He opened his barn, turned on the lights, had the heater in there, and he's trying to shoo the birds into the barn. But every time they would fly up, they would circle back and hit the picture window. And he just kept trying to shoo them toward the barn and trying to help them. And I remember him saying, it's getting so frustrated and so hurt that these birds were dying. And he says, how can I communicate to him? And he just said, well, if I was just able to be a bird for just a moment so I could communicate to him. And he said, at that moment, the church bells rang down the street where his church was. And he realized, wow, that's exactly what Jesus did. That God had been trying to communicate to us. And he said, I'm going to become one of them so that I can communicate with him. And that's part of why I did it that way. But the second reason, we talked about this last week, is even more important. That God's holy law that he wrote said that when we sin, we deserve death. Romans 6, 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. Wages are what you earn. 
And when you sin, and we've all sinned, we deserve death. Death in this case is a representation, not just our physical death, but our spiritual death. And death is, death is a great example because death is separation. If you've had a loved one die, and I think most of us have, we know that the toughest thing about it is they're not around anymore. We are separated from them. And so that spiritual death is talking about being separated from God forever. Our sin separates us from God. And that debt had to be paid. And it could only be paid by someone who did not owe that debt. We talked about it last week. So Jesus came and lived that perfect life, never deserving death. Yet he died for us, paid that debt. I shared this story Wednesday night at prayer meeting, so those of you who are here, forgive me for sharing that. But I think one of the greatest illustrations I ever saw of this is when I lived myself. When I was in college, my parents uh, blessed me with a, a new used car, okay? It was an older car, but they, but they blessed me. And I, I had gone home at, at Christmas time to pick up the car from my family in Georgia, and I was coming back out to, to uh, California where I was in graduate, grad school. And so uh, on the way, driving through Mississippi, I got a speeding ticket. Um, I know, now, Jackie, the, the speedometer was wrong. We found out later. I had it checked, okay? The speedometer was wrong, but but didn't matter I was speeding okay and uh, so I had the ticket the ticket was 40 bucks and I was a poor graduate student back in the back in the 80s so ladies you know back in the 80s that's before they invented money so it was like it, you know I, I don't even know how they expected me to get it and so I didn't have a whole lot of money I got back to seminary and I and I called the judge in Mississippi and uh, that even caught you can't pick up your phone now it cost money that was a long distance call it cost me like Five bucks just to call the judge. But I called the judge and I explained, I'm, I, my, my spit arm was off and I, I'm, a, I'm a poor seminary student, da 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 da. And here's what the judge said. I remember it vividly, even though it was, oh my gosh, 40 something years ago. He said, I'm sorry, I cannot just ignore your ticket. The law says if you speed, you owe this money. You broke the law, and so you owe this money now. My job as a judge is not to ignore the law. My job is to uphold the law. That's what I do. And to be honest with my work, I cannot ignore your ticket. I cannot wipe away your ticket. It's not possible. He said, but I'll do this. I'll pay it for you. And I, of course, embarrassed, and it was, well, I, I, I can try to do something. because no. Your ticket's paid. I will pay it myself. A couple of weeks later, I scraped together 20 bucks and sent a check for 20 bucks to the, to the, uh, to the thing. I just thought, I just want to do my part. I, I just trying to feel good about myself or whatever. About a week and a half later, the check came back, marked void. And he said, your debt's been paid. The judge took care of it for you. And I know he did because it wasn't the judge that did it. It was the, it was the clerk of the court that said it had been taken care of. And that's what Jesus did for us. He did not owe the penalty of death, but he paid it for us. Just like that judge did not owe the fine for speeding, but he paid it for me. And that comes to our very, very, very best reason for giving more than anything. If you're here tonight and 
today, sorry, today it's dark here. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus like we're talking about, Donna just gave us a great example of what it means to come to know Jesus and invite him into your heart and receive his forgiveness of sins. I want to encourage you to do that today. Now, we don't always have a come forward invitation as some that I grew up with. So I want to encourage you right now. If God is speaking to you and saying, that's what I need to do in my life, I want you to hold on to that. And then when we dismiss today, come and talk to me or talk to Red or talk to Anthony, our, our, our board members, and we'll be happy to share with you about how you can know Jesus the same way that we talked about here, that I know Jesus, that Donna talked about it, that everyone who's leading today has, has talked about. And then as summer winds down and we settle into a new routine, I want you to evaluate also your generosity and the reasons why you give. Yes, the church does need money, but we need more than that. We need a culture of generosity here in our church. We need members who are willing to give of their time and their energy and their love because God loved us through Jesus. We can give of ourselves to each other. If you're giving all that you're able to give or all that God's called you to give, that's wonderful. We would never make anybody feel guilty, and I do have no idea what people give. So don't ever wonder if I'm, if I'm wondering if you give enough or not, because I don't know. I don't worry about that. God's going to take care of our church. But I do know God wants us to be a generous church and wants you to be a generous person. So here's what you can do. I'm going to ask you. First, you need to examine your life and ask God to reveal, are you a generous person? Are you generous with your money, with your time, with your energy, and with your love? Second, ask, is there anything that is mine that is more important than serving and loving God? Is there anything that you call yours that you are treating as more important than God? And maybe it is your money. Maybe it is your freedom. Who knows what all it could be. But uh, so as you look, in fact, I got some examples up there. So put, go ahead and put those up there, though. So maybe, maybe it is, um, yeah, there. I don't know if you can see those symbols. So maybe it's your happiness. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your, what, I got to look and see. I can't even see what I had up there now. That's just the desk, your work. There we go. Thank you. That's hard to see up there. So your, your happiness, your work, your time, your freedom, your leisure, your money, or even your family. Now, with that last one, I'm not saying don't take care of your family. That is responsibility God wants us to do. So, I'm not, so don't hear that at all. I never, would never want your family to suffer. You need to take care of your family. But also, you need to be generous beyond that as well. Next. Ask God to give you a generous heart. And then I do need to say one last thing, because that is the, the focus of Paul's writing today, is consider increasing your financial, your financial commitment to God's kingdom work. Maybe it's here, maybe it's somewhere else. But if God is calling to increase that, do so. Having said that, I'm going I'm to close with this. Um, after we sing a final song. We are doing a final song, aren't we? With, okay, good. Uh, Jackie's going to come up and give our announcements, and I'm going to just preview one of the things you're going to say. Jackie's going to talk about our small groups, right? 
And I'm going to ask you to consider, as you listen, you're talking about the small groups are coming up, I'm going to ask you to be generous with your time, but make a commitment to be a part of our eight-week small groups that we're having, and to be generous with your heart, to connect with other people more, to be generous where you can open up and connect with people. We're going to make it possible for that to happen. So as we close with a word of prayer, we'll do our closing song and our announcements. Continue, if God's spoken in your heart, that maybe you need Jesus in your life, or maybe there's something that's standing between you and him. I want you to share that with me or with somebody else on the way out so that we've been praying for you, can help you move towards being the generous person that Jesus was and who God has called you to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the many people leading today. Father, thank you that this church is a very generous church. Father, the, the worship team that has been generous with their time and their skills, the people who have worked throughout the week, um, our deacons, our board, Father, people that just work so hard, thank you for those just so many blessings. And Father, thank you for a congregation that would allow me to preach on a difficult subject like this today. And Father, I just pray that you will speak to our hearts today. You will help us all know if there is a place where we need to be more generous, if there's something we need to do, to lean into the, the attitude of Jesus more than we have before. And Father, just use all of our resources, our money, our time, our energy, our personalities, so that we may be the church you've called us to be, that we can grow as disciples, and that we can glorify your name through the work of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.